You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre, you just said the nicest thing you've ever said to me in your entire life, and I'm, I'm, I'm dry. Yeah, we're recording this on Thanksgiving Monday. I guess um, usually we work ahead, but lately we've been cutting it a little bit close to uh, publishing date. We release these Tuesday morning, and um, you know, I'm happy to talk to you on Thanksgiving for some odd reason. I'm, I'm thankful to have you in my life. Wow. I again, I, I, I'm not an emotional guy, Andre, but I, I don't know what to say. I, I guess I should, you know, reciprocate and say I'm happy to have you in my life. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> and whether I mean it or not is another story. But so we, um, we're gonna blow the dust off of um, thumbs up here. We, we, we've sort yeah. of set aside a mini one. Um, you know, thank thank you to all the wineries who have continued to. Uh, send samples for Michael and I to review. I know last week we were pretty critical of the LCBO, and I still maintain that. So, um, you know, for the wineries who are helping making sure that Michael and I have content, um, we appreciate it, and we appreciate the work that you do. And I, I'd like to, I'd like to also thank uh, all the agents who are sending wine, uh, and wineries who are sending wine, and we will never charge you to review your stuff. So send them away. Totally. Or send, totally. Send them in. Send them in. Totally. The, uh, I'll, I'll never charge you. I'll never charge you a dime. The the content comes out anyway, and uh, I won't. I won't tell you that if you don't pay me, uh, you know, I'll I'll review it later. But the guys who do pay me, because nobody pays me, uh, to review wine. <laughs> that being that. said, I know we usually do this at the end of the podcast, but um, go to to patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. Uh, we do have some new benefits if you want to do. Uh, a guided tasting from Michael and I. Uh, it's a, a few months commitment, and we're um, we're happy to throw that out there. There've been no takers yet, but you know, Christmas is coming up. Might make a good Christmas. You know, you gift know what? For I someone. don't think anybody's uh, even. Lo- I don't know if anybody's looked, but I mean, we provide you with the wine. Yes, I don't oh, know. Yeah. If we've ever said that. We'll, no, no, we guide so. you through them, but we will also provide the wine. Yes, exactly. So, so. Um, so, something really uh, interesting happened this week with the uh, alcohol laws in Ontario, and it's uh, really unusual because these um, these laws... Barely change. Yes, they're, they're fairly inert, let's put it that way. Uh, but Prabhmeet Sakaria, the uh, Ontario Associate Minister of Small Business, uh, made an announcement that says that licensed restaurants will continue offering alcohol for sale with food, takeout, and delivery. Um, and now that's something that's been very exciting for me, um, as a consumer living in Toronto, because my favorite wine bars have all switched to, uh, essentially being cool little wine shops. Um, Ascari have been fantastic, uh, customers of mine for the ADX wine company, uh, Grand Cru Deli archive. I've been able to get my hands on some very good, uh, Burgundy and Beaujolais from those two places. And, you know, if anything, it just let them get the cash flow, keep the lights on. And now it's uh, you said the the, the the article I read said it was uh, it was going to be tabled, as in put on the table, not tabled as in taken off the table. Uh, and then you told me that it is now passed and is permanent. Yes, um, every everything that I've seen says that it, it's permanent. Um, so okay, maybe maybe there's some legal and legislative mumbo jumbo that needs to take place. So hopefully that I don't hopefully I don't need to walk this back. But um, as someone who 
tends to gravitate more towards the smaller wineries of Ontario. You know, it's very exciting to see, you know, people like Derek Barnett and even even places that have a retail presence in Niagara just have access to shelf space in the city of Toronto that doesn't involve going through the LCBO. Now, look, I, I see this as a good thing. I, I don't want I don't want to you know, rain on the parade that you have, because you were very excited by this whole thing. You were like, hey, look what's happening. We got to get somebody to talk about this. Yeah, totally. And I did make a couple of calls uh, because uh, you were working at the time and you were like, we need to talk to somebody about this. And um, a lot of the response I got, which was, I guess, surprising to you. Uh, and then as I was thinking about it, not surprising to me, um, was lukewarm uh, about the whole thing. Um, first of all, it's it's not guaranteed to continue. They say it's going to be permanent, but, you know, this is Ontario. Things have gone to hell in a handbasket for the wine industry every single time. So I'm not sure why this one is um, uh, is going to, you know, last. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not a, an immediate um, thing that's, that's going to uh, uh, be part of the winery's life because right now we're in the middle of harvest and when people decided to um i guess that they were going to start selling wine or what they were going to do for the next year they had to look at what they were selling this year and i know that a lot of wineries you know cut back on how much uh they were either going to buy or grow because they didn't know what was going on well and I'll i'll be perfectly honest even with uh like the little bit of wine that i'm i'm making you know originally guillaume and i were talking about putting four wines together and that would have been, you know, a total of maybe 800, 900 cases. But, you know, as COVID has dragged on that surge of business at the beginning, I think has kind of snapped back a little bit, you know, as this drags on people's disposable income is starting to dry up a bit. And we decided to be a little bit more conservative with what, what we were doing. Like we're still very much, we're still very much in a pandemic. And you didn't know that this was going to continue past December 31st because yes. a lot of wineries are like, oh, great, till the 31st. It'll help me get rid of my inventory now. But, you know, because everything's always, you know, a stop, a stop gap measure here in Ontario until we can figure out the next way to screw things up. <laughs> now, the LCBO is going to lose their head over this. You just know it. And that Smokey the Nerd Thomas is going to start screaming about, you know. Uh, but here's the uh, thing is, is, is the, the, the conservative government putting this through right now, like the the... Smokey Thomas has no leg to stand on. The LCBO will have no leg to stand on. Sales at the LCBO are still what they are. People are still buying. Well, they're huge right now. The LCBO is making money hand over fist, which is, I think, one of the reasons why we don't get into taste wines because they don't need us at the moment. And it's and it's it's Smokey's going to start talking about beating your wives and alcoholics on street corners like he always does. Yeah. And that's going to scare somebody, and somebody's going to start petitioning. And you know, this is Ontario. This is you know, we are so backwater, so. Well, that, I, like, hey, Andre, to, to be fair, that that to be fair, that hasn't happened yet, and and I'll be very like, even if he does start, you know, beating the usual beating the usual drum, um, he won't have a leg to stand on. Even when we were talking at News Talk ten ten, the the places that are doing well with bottles to go, it's not the people who are going to St. Louis and buying a bottle of Smirnoff to take home with them because. Let's face it, it's silly to pay a markup on a product that you can just get at the LCBO. The places that are thriving on this are, you know, the Shea News, the Paradise, the the places that are, you know, building building their model around selling interesting wines to consumers that, you can't that they don't get want to get, the LCBO. That and that's, that's the LCBO. always been, I think, the the thing that 
we should have been looking at on Ontario that agents should be able to open little bottle shops or as they are doing now with um, with restaurants. And I think it makes it more interesting. I want stuff that I can't always get at the LCBO. And a lot of people will pay the premium for that, which is why most people would buy them in cases from agents. Exactly. And I like that agents are allowed to sell mixed cases now. I hope they make that permanent. I know a lot of agents stopped doing mixed cases or are shy to do mixed cases because they go, you know what? Like our customers are going to want it and then I'm going to have to stop it. And then, you know, then I'm going to tell them why and then I'm going to lose a customer. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just hoping that um, that this is the beginning of some other changes. The conservative government, uh, you know, have always been kind of, uh, you know, mumbling under their breath about making some changes to um, to alcohol sales in the in the province and um you know i i think it's something it's something you said you, you said you were gonna make a devil's advocate argument uh when we were talking about this quickly off the air do you want to make the devil's advocate argument now or do you want me to just to restate it well i think i i did i said it's it's uh, i don't think it's going to be an immediate i don't think uh it's guaranteed um and i think now i remember talking when then they were doing a buck of beer thing and you yep. said there was a dumb idea and i said i'm all for buck of beer and the reason i was for buck of beer was because if they do it for the beer industry they have to start doing things for the wine industry and i think i've been proven right because they realize they've got to do something for the wine industry uh no i i you're you're completely completely right like there needs to be a more balanced field in um in how people are being helped out and i've, I've been saying it many times on this podcast i do find it frustrating that if i'd chosen to open a brewery as opposed to a, a wine company, I could rent a, a space in the middle of Toronto and have immediate access to market. So seeing that wineries finally have some access to market is is great. But I think, like you said, like we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I don't think we're going to see any real benefits to this until probably even three, four, maybe even five years from now when you know things return to whatever the new normal is going to be. This This might help agents. Oh, sell more wine. I'm I'm excited to see if there's any agents who decide to open a uh, I'm putting into air quotes restaurant so that they can offer their bottles to go with whatever food products they decide to do. It's it's not a bad idea, or at least buy into one. Well, and and you know what? It's 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 the other thing too, just to see how um how businesses have been able to sort of pivot to make this a part of their 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 model. Like Italy in uh, at Bay and Bloor, um. You know, now has a great selection of Italian wines, and you go in there, you buy your groceries, you're good to go. And even the smaller places like Archive, uh, Josh at Archive has started making hot sauce uh, as his food item. When I bought my first bottle of wine there, he was doing little $1 packets of almonds to do, because you have to buy a food product to take your, your wine to go. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's evolved the model to actually selling, you know, more than just a little snack. Like, you know, it's, it's actually something I want to put in my fridge well, and serve with my food. It's... it's it's one of those things that I saw when uh, when I when I used to well I can't go now but go to Michigan it always said uh, lotto liquor and deli and I never understood that and I read a book about uh, how the laws of the U.S. came about and one of the things uh, was that the the reason wine shops or these corner wine stores had liquor lotto and deli was because they had to sell a food product with with the booze now granted these days it's an old you know rotting sandwich in the corner and nobody actually wants to buy it um <laughs> because it's been there since they were able to open and do it but that's the reason why it always says liquor uh, lotto and deli yeah no my um yeah I, I i hope we see some lasting impacts but your um your devil's advocate and cynicism is well noted um I haven't been around as long as you, but I know that there's a very good reason why uh, a lot of people are cynical in the uh, in the wine business. 
look, I want it. I want it to work. Right. So uh, yeah, me too. my my hats off to the the Ford government uh, for actually doing what I was hoping they would do. And they've done it. So let's let's see them continue and, and help along. So speaking of helping along, let's open some wine and because uh, it's some the middle of the up. afternoon and it's sunny out. Um, and uh, those have been few and far between these days. So uh, let's open something. I think we're going to go with that. We're starting with the Ton Sauvignon Blanc. The old Ton Sauvignon old Blanc, ton. unfiltered and with lees in a half bottle. Yeah. So I'm 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 a bit scared of this, Andre, uh, because that it screams of uh, pet nat to me, and uh, I could end up with wearing this. So here goes. For Have you opened yours? For something bottled on Lees, it's it's clear. It's quite clear. All right. Here we go. Oh, so it is kind of sparkling, too. So, yeah. All right. Here goes. Here goes nothing. Oh, so the old ton is made by uh, Ramsey, who's making uh, making wines out at Ridgepoint. Um, it's got the uh, citrus. It's got grassy note to it. Slightly bitter on the finish. Mm. And that's the thing I'm not liking. I, I like um, I think I, I like my Stacey. Sauvignon Blanc to be a little bit more um, more crisp and clean than this. Um. So, yeah, and. You know, if you're going to make a sparkling Sauvignon Blanc, like uh, North 42 makes a great sparkling Sauvignon Blanc. Like, I mean, just it is summer in a glass. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is fantastic. And I just had one on the weekend, and this is a far cry from it. Mm, I'm not sure I completely agree with you. This is just a different style of, of winemaking, because the thing is, the sparkling Sauvignon Blanc from North 42 is, um, you know, I imagine they filter it. Like, it's not it's not meant to be... Sort of the more funky, pet natty style. Like the oh, the flavor profile on this is fine. It's good. I, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I drink I'm gonna this. go thumbs down. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I just this. find I it a little this. too funky for my taste. I don't like that bitterness. Uh, I, it's kind of it's kind of pithy, and because we have to go thumbs up or thumbs down, I know that's one of our rules. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't. Uh, no. Okay. No, I'm I'm out. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's move on, because we put a second one from the old ton in there, because... Um, you want to do the, si the cider or the cassava reserve Riesling first? No, I've got the cider in my glass. Okay, so we're doing the cider. I'm a big fan of cider. I am, I am too, and I think it's a, a market that we're going to see evolve um, quite a bit over the next little while. Well, we have seen uh, seen quite a bit of cider coming out. Uh, I think I think it's slowed down for a bit, but I think it's it's coming back. That smells like cider to me. Mm. Small batch. It's pretty bruisey. Small bottle. Bruised um, bruised apples. Twenty four dollars for a four pack. Um, hmm, it's nice on the mid palate. It's bone dry. I'll, I'll be honest. I when I drink cider, I generally like a little bit of residual sugar to it. I. Um... I did too. I would have said that to you a while back, uh, but then I got to taste uh, a, a one from a place called Twin Pines, okay. which is um, near Stra uh, about forty minutes outside of Stratford. Um, I think it's Thedford is where they're from. 
That sounds about right. Uh, but somewhere look, somebody looked that up for me. And um, they made one called Old World, which was just bone, bone, bone dry. Like it was like your first sip was like, I don't even know what I'm drinking. And then the next few sips were like, oh, OK, I'm finally getting some apple. And I think this this one kind of reminds me of that. And the old world cider, I was like, I'm not sure if I like it. And then by the end of the bottle, I'm like, I'm loving it. It was like the McDonald's of uh, of cider. Well, so, I, I, I wish I hadn't looked at because I'm, I'm, I'm we're obviously recording this on my computer. So I pulled up the product page. Um, Drinkcollab.ca is where you can get the information on it. But uh, I was getting a honey note on it, and the reason I'm getting a honey note is there was a small dose of honey added to this for uh, natural secondary fermentation in bottle. Mm. So uh, I mean, it's, it's it's nice and complex. Uh, I'm, I'm giving I'm getting this, that. I'm giving this a thumbs up as well. I'm thumbs up. Yeah, hmm. dry, little slightly uh, slightly honeyed note, um, but not sweet. No, no, not I'm sweet liking that. I'm liking that a lot. Yeah, I could I could I could crush the shit out of that one. That's really good. <laughs> sessionable, sessionable. Oh, sessionable. Sorry, crush is out. Sessionable is in. All right. So I guess what we're on to the. Um... So we're on the Cassaba 2019 Reserve Riesling. All right. All right. So. Got to reach off the floor. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, that, that cider was nice. Cider was interesting. Job. I like the, I like the Sauvignon, Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc too, but it's almost like, you know, it it it. it it feels more like a like a like the take on the cider than it does like a sparkling wine, you know. Yeah, I, what are we talking about? The Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, I just didn't like that. I didn't like the funky finish. <laughs> so the the cider is also a little on the funky side, but it's funky fun. Yep. Whereas the other one, I'm expecting something more, something better, and uh, I didn't get it. If that makes any sense to anybody. Speaking of wanting more, obviously a reserve Riesling. Yes. So I'm getting uh, kind of like a uh, the usual hint of, of that talc minerality, uh, that uh, that that pear sweetness. There's some nice apple, some tropical here, uh, a little bit of peach. The acidity's good. Long finish. That's, yeah, I'm getting. Uh, I'm, getting the, it's a pretty, I'm getting the tropical. It's a pretty typical riesling, but it's a good riesling. I'm getting the tropical, like it's uh, you know candied mango and very ripe peach, um, like Christmas orange. Christmas orange. Ooh, look at you. You know, just like that very sweet tangerine. Ooh, look at you, Mr. Chef. Mm. <laughs> a little bit of residual sugar on this. Well, I've, I said it's pretty typical Riesling. Um, uh, I don't know what makes it reserve. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think cassava makes an, an unreserved Riesling, right? Well, so then, I, really, I guess they really they held it back for a month. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a thumbs up for me. It's a it's a tasty riesling. If you like riesling, it's gonna it's gonna hit your 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 sweet spot. See, this no, is tough no pun for me intended. though because I, I feel like the acid is almost a little bit low on it. Like the finish the finish doesn't doesn't really give me that zip that I expect from. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted a little more, but I'm thumbs up because it's. It's definitely there's nothing wrong with it. it just, it's got a nice long finish, but it's a long finish due to the sweetness, not due to the acidity. I'm, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm thumbs up, but it's not an enthusiastic thumbs up. 
Like it's it's a it's a it's it's a good Riesling. It'll scratch your itch if you like Riesling. Um, it's it, it is off dry, so there's some people who are going to turn their nose up at that. But the off dry with the the acid, it really does kind of linger on the on the back a little bit longer than I would normally like. Um, yeah. No, I'm giving I'm giving I'm giving it a thumbs up. It's like you said. There's there's nothing wrong with this. Is it the most exciting Riesling from Niagara? It, it it unfortunately isn't. No, but it's it's it'll as I said it'll scratch your riesling itch if that's if that's the itch you're having you can get out there and and give it a scratch. So the next bottle that I have on my list is the Studio Gamay. Now this is a, a new project from um, a gentleman Vladimir, named Vladimir Skok. There you go. I always get the the last name wrong, so I didn't want to go out and on a limb and say it. And he has started a new uh, virtual winery uh, that I understand is out of Palatine Hill. And um, instead of the usual stuff that people start a virtual with, like Chardonnay or <laughs> uh, Pinot Noir, he has decided to stake <laughs> his claim on Gamay. So uh, good for him. That's what uh, I would say right there. To be fair, like... I. Uh... To be fair, we've got uh, Charles Baker, who started his virtual with Riesling. I know um, Chris Fornassier and Adam Kern started their virtual bench trial with Cabernet Franc. So I don't think uh, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are necessarily the usual the usual suspects. For the most part, it is. <laughs> well, other than other than Bachelder, who else started with uh, Chardonnay? And Bachelder started that same way. Melville kind of started that same way. Melville Kevin was Panagapka Sauvignon Blanc started Chardonnay. that way at twenty twenty seven. Kevin started yeah. with Riesling. Uh, I know that Kevin Steve started with, Riesling. started with Viognier and Sauvignon. No, Sauvignon Blanc was his was his Ballywick. Yeah. So he's he's one that that bucked the trend, but more will start with something that's more readily available, such as Pinot and Chard. Um, and Charles Baker was was an early adopter of the virtual of the virtual winery. So Riesling, you know, being the most planted white in Ontario. So uh, he's made two, yes. and you've decided to look at the Cher Ella. Yes, and, and um, what do you think of the labels, Michael? Well, I understand you had something to do with it. Yes, I, I did have something to do with it. Uh, they're relatively colorful. They don't. They don't scream anything to me. Uh, no offense, Andre. They're yeah. they're they're more than passable as as a label. It was uh, there was collaboration with Vladimir. the The painting on that though is uh, I guess just a fun fact. The painting on it is actually a painting that I did. Oh, I didn't know you were a painter. Uh, I'm a man of many talents, Michael. Uh, obviously. Uh, so I, I, I've actually been hesitant to review the wine, given the fact that I'm I'm loosely connected to the project, but I really, really enjoyed, um, Cher Ella. Uh, it's done in neutral oak, so it's got quite a bit of texture on the mid palate. Um, you know, at the same time, not being, not being too heavy. Like there's a lot of restraint in how the wines, wines are made. Like this is what I expect from a decent, you know, village level gamay. So it, it gets a thumbs up for me. Well, it's delicate. I'm going to start, I'm going to start there. It doesn't punch in the mouth with flavor. Not off the get-go, anyway. So, and, uh... It's got some nice cherry. A little of that 
cranberry note, but it's more of a sweet cranberry than it is a um, than a sour. It's got a touch, just a touch of that white pepper note that that kicks in. The acidity is really good. So I'm liking I'm liking that that I'm seeing. Uh, yeah, I would I would give it that kind of uh, village kind of uh, kind of flavor because it's not. It's not in your face, but it's not. Uh, it's definitely uh, like a nice light gamay. It's it's very pleasant. Mm -hmm. So for you know, um, a first a first go around with uh, with gamay and starting a project. As I said, hats off to uh, Vladimir for uh, the gamay project, uh, a studio gamay. Uh, yeah, I'm a thumbs up on that. Right on. Really tasty. Yeah, really tasty. All right, something that I've actually been very much looking forward to tasting is what we're up to next. Let me just grab the bottle. Just because the uh, the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay from 2017 that I have been tasting have all surpassed any expectations I've had. And we're going into the 2017 Gravity from Flat Rock. All right. This is usually a. Uh, this is usually a um, very good wine. And seventeen being one of that, the being that weird vintage. The miracle vintage. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Made by Dave Shepard. Smells like Pinot. There's just there. You know what? That's that's. It's. Yeah, it's but it smells like Pino. it smells like good Pinot. Like it's got that violet note, um, cranberry, cherry. I'm getting like a little bit of a clove note on this, and then we've got even the minerals really starting to pop through on the on the Pinot, which doesn't always come through there. Color isn't too dark. Like it's definitely darker than that Gamay for sure, but. Mm. Pump this straight into my veins. Well, that's really good. Oh God! Pump this straight into my veins. This mm -hmm. is this is effing glorious. Jesus, I wish About I had a black cherry, black pepper. Oh, you know this that is, might this be is one of those, that might is... be one of the best gravities I've had in a, in a long time. Uh, I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's just one of those very satisfying things, too, where, you know, I had an expectation for this wine. You know, I expected this wine to be good, but this has surpassed the expectation that I had in my head. This is one of the most enthusiastic thumbs up that I can give. Yeah, big thumbs up for me on that one. Big thumbs up. Long finish to it. Kicks right in again with the uh, the, the pepper note there. But great, great acid balance and structure, like... This is what's great about Ontario Pinot Noir, and I think it's still under forty bucks. So on top of that, we're getting we're getting quite a bit of value out of this bottle too. I, I believe it's thirty bucks, isn't it? Twenty nine ninety five. Uh, I think it's thirty seven for the gravity. Yeah, give me a second here. I thought that was. I thought it was much less than that. Oh, Flat Rocks updated their website. <laughs> I'm Look on their you. website just trying to get the information. Uh, so 2018, so 2018 Gravity Pinot Noir is 35.15. 35.15. Yes. Oh, and that's the 2018 you said. Uh, that's the 2018. We're tasting the 2017. 
Hey, how the heck did that happen? Wow. Why are we behind on that? I just got that line, didn't I? <laughs> I wonder if they held it back because it was a little bit more, uh, a little more powerful. No, maybe. And and and, and uh, release the eighteen first. I've heard that happening before. Mm. We're speculating though. Yeah, nice long finish on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of don't want to dump it. No, but we have well, another line to get to. Hang on. We have we have to keep going here. What do I have? Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. The chorus on that one was a big, uh, big thumbs up. So obviously, uh, this is, so uh, you're, you're this making is, this you're, obvious. You're making us, Andre. This I think is uh, is one of the first times we've ever done the two thumbs up as uh, as totally live. Uh, no, we've done this before, but this is the first time we've done it virtually. So the next up, we got the Fogler 2018 Cabernet Franc. I know that uh, that Mark Pister, who does listen to the podcast. Um, does some stuff with more single vineyards, but this is a VQA Niagara Peninsula. Yeah, he does a single vineyard with Pecone. The 16 was was outstandingly good. Yes, it was. Uh, and and the um, the 15 was good, but the 16 was uh, was was better. And uh, now we're looking at this 18. I, did, I I haven't seen a 17 from him. Did they not do one? I probably don't. Why am I'm I asking? Not sure. You? I probably. haven't I haven't paid as close attention to what Mark is is doing as I should because I know he's a very good winemaker and uh, I love talking to him about what he does because he's got a very infectious uh, enthusiasm. So this is the 18 of Fogler, and it's just Cap Franc. It does not say any uh, particular vineyard this time. So. All quiet while we uh, while we sniff and. Uh... It's definitely got the pyrazine. It's got uh, red pepper jelly on this. Um. Well, but I mean, it's not. You know, I I know you and I have talked a little bit about when when Cabernet Franc has those uh, sort of savory notes to it. Um, whether you know whether fruit is ripe or it's a winemaking decision, but this. I was recently drinking some wines from the Loire Valley, and this does feel very much looking in that direction. And on the palate, it does deliver a lot of red fruit. Twenty-two fifty a bottle for this one, by the way. How much was it? Hmm. You said twenty-two. Twenty-two dollars and fifty cents. So, hmm. <laughs> You're really pondering this. You're thinking deeply about it. Is it is it is it my turn to um, to give a score first? I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get your your savory note. I get your bell pepper. I get your peppery note. I got a little bit of raspberry, so that red fruit is there. Um, I was underwhelmed with my first sip. Uh, I have I have become whelmed <laughs> with. <laughs> With the with the next sip, how about that? Okay. It's, um, I have to admit, I spit probably the first three sips, whereas the Gamay and the Pinot, I I drank, I couldn't, I could not spit those two. Okay. Um, I am an unenthusiastic thumbs up, but it is a cool vintage in eighteen. It's a wet vintage when they would have harvested Cab Franc. You've got to know the vintage before you can, and you know we we gave somebody a little bit of hell uh, early on, or earlier this month or late last month, for that what they said about uh, a wine because they didn't know, uh, or 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 had ignorance about yep. the region. Yep. Um, and that's that's the the 
that's what I I will say about what their their review. Um, knowing the vintage, knowing the grape, knowing when it probably was going to be harvested, I'm an enthusiastic thumbs up, but it's a decent wine. You know what? I'm gonna go a thumbs down on it. Um, I feel like. It tastes like what Cab Franc is supposed to taste like, but even given the vintage conditions, I find it a little bit thin on the mid-palate. Yeah, it is a little lean. It's kind of like a donut, but a few sips get you into it. As I said, I'm not enthusiastically thumbs up, but I will go thumbs up You know, for for those who liked that bell if you like your bell your your if you like the lower uh, valley cab like... franc in that classic sense of ontario then this is this is your cab franc if you like Bourgogne or you like chinon like this is definitely something that would be up your alley uh 2250 though uh you know or sorry 2220 it's listen it's okay i know we have the single vineyard um cabernet franc sitting i got it sitting next to me we're not going to be tasting it as part of this podcast but i'm looking forward to tasting that that expression of this but uh, Ever, have, having already tried the 16 the 16 is just uh an absolute stunner yeah no it's uh you know i'm, I'm on the line but like you said we have to do thumbs up or thumbs down i'm yep. i'm giving it a thumbs down um you know i just expect i just expect a little bit more on the mid palette even with the challenging vintage conditions uh i i get the challenging vintage conditions i know it's gonna it would have been wet uh, I'm, as I said, I'm an unenthusiastic, but a, but enough of a thumbs up from from me. So we beat that horse to death. Now it's on to something that I'd like to beat to death. But these guys keep uh, they want to beat me into submission. They really, really do. You know what? I, I'm uh, actually I was actually looking forward to tasting this because we we actually tasted the last vintage uh, live on the podcast, and we both feeling the way we feel about Baco. Uh, now that I've com- completely come around on it. Um, you know, we go in with this expecting expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And last year we were both very pleasantly surprised with the 2018. Um, Henry of Pelham are the masters of dealing with Baco Noir in the province. That there's and as one person said to me though, um, when I was years ago, and I had said to them, "You guys make a really great Vidal," uh, and it was a it was a dry table wine, and and they said, "You know what? You really don't want to be known as making a great Vidal." And um, and I, I guess I, I, Henry of Pelham has really held, held their hat on Baco, and they actually do want to be known as making good Baco. And then they want more people to make good Baco, which, let's be honest, they don't. Um, so they still hold the crown for making Baco and, and treating it properly and making good wine from it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, they, they, they treat the Baco with... With respect. Frankly, I think Henry Pelham treats Baco with more respect than it deserves. And as a result, you get something that actually tastes proper. Now, that said, this one's uh, subtitled The Lost Boys. Was the 18 the Lost Boys? I don't remember The Lost Boys on that. Uh, the 18 was titled Lost Boys. And I think last year, I think it, it had a blue label on it. I think so, too. This one's got a nice gold label. I really like oh, I like the, the label. The packaging looks incredible. The The bottle is is big and heavy but not Napa Valley obnoxious heavy like this is this is fan service there are people who are big fans of the Henry Pelham Baco Noir and this is something that if you love Henry Pelham Baco Noir it will look amazing on your table so I got plum and black cherry yeah I mean it's it's Baco right (laughs) and um 
But you know what? Now, I've heard many people compare Baco to Zinfandel. It's the it's Ontario Zinfandel, if you can believe that. Uh, you know what? I, I agree with that assessment, but it's sort of like on the, the... You know what? It's like a kit car, right? You know, it's it, like a, Zin, a Zinfandel would be like a Shelby Cobra, where or a Baco Noir is like a Shelby Cobra kit car where you've put it together from... A lesser car it you know it looks good it, it smells good on the surface it's just like oh that's a that's a nice looking car but it does lack some of that 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 depth but it, it's definitely like a, a cooler climate take on zinfandel and especially given how uh henry pelham treat this right usually american oak quite a bit of oak on it yeah so oh, i think it's your turn to go first on this one mm. you can go i first went first on it. I went first on the Fogelar, did I not? Yeah, well, you can do, you can go first twice in a row. I think I went first on like the the first three. Um, so if I if I take this as comparative to Zin, uh, it's a it's one of those sweet Zins. Yes, to me, ten ten point seven um, grams per liter that, residual that, sugar that lacks the depth that I want in Zinfandel, and because I have to go either thumbs up or thumbs down. And I can't do the, you know, half thumb. Uh, we, we, we declared that. I think one, one time I tried to do that and you, you got mad at me for it. Uh, I am going to go thumbs down because of the almost confected mid palette to finish. I see why people will like this, but I'm thumbs down on it. Um, I, I like it. Uh, even with the, the residual sugar, I mean, it's one of those things too where it's just as a reviewer, is this something that I'm going to be rushing to pour in my house? No. I but would have poured the 18 though. I loved the 18. To the, to the people who, who love Henry Pelham, love Baco, 2019, another vintage that was not super duper. Like it was a super challenging vintage. Um, we've got 13% alcohol with the 10 grams residual sugar. Nice acidity that keeps this from feeling too sweet on the back palate. Um... You know, if you if you love Henry Pelham and you love Baco Noir, grab a bottle of this, grab a couple bottles of this, and enjoy. It's a really well-made wine. So you're a thumbs up, I'm assuming. I am a thumbs up on this. Now, an enthusiastic thumbs up or just a thumbs up? It's a comfortable, like, winking a gun thumbs up, but, like, not like I'm jumping up and down like I was with the Flat Rock uh, Gravity. It's just like, this is firmly thumbs up territory here. So we split on the, uh, on the, the old ton... Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, we split, I think, on the uh, cassava. And hey, we have a, we have we a lot of splits split here. Split on the Fogelar. But we unless were, I missed we were the cider. In agreement with the cider, the gamete, the flat rock pinot, and uh, yeah, wow, this is the most mixed two thumbs up that we've done. Even though the lineup is a little shorter, we usually do a few more wines, but uh, you know, we're still figuring this uh, this stuff out with the pandemic going on. And uh, you know this was fun, Andre. I think we should uh, we should kind of do an international version. We did a. Um, you know what? I'm, obviously, I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there just off the top of my head. I don't think you're going to have any issues with it. But uh, let's line something up for early December. People are going to be looking for wines for Christmas. So you know, what? I'm I'm looking at my calendar. Let's just say, if you're an agent listening to this and you want to get us some wines, get us some wines by the end of November, and Michael and I will have our next two thumbs up for December eighth. It'll be your Christmas buying guide of local and international wines. December the 8th. That's also my birthday. So send birthday stuff too. 
Send him lots of backo. He loves it. No, I do not. All right. I'm Andre Pru of AndreWineReview.ca. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening and happy Thanksgiving to you, Michael. Well, thank you, Andre. And I'm Michael Pinkus of MichaelPinkusWineReview.com. We already Andre. gave the Patreon. We already gave the Patreon shout out, so that's done. But uh, you can follow me on social media at Andre Wine Review. I'm on all socials, nice and consistent, clean, so it's easy to find me. I know you're taking digs at me here. I'm. I. I didn't get into the social game ten years after you did. I was trying to be an early adopter and didn't know about the. Anyway, at the Grape Guy for most things, but I think on Facebook I'm still Michael and Michael Pingus and Michael Pingus Wine Review. So there. So there, Andre. Take us away, Michael. Happy Thanksgiving, Andre. Gobble, gobble, and good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.